Hi, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett, and this is The Soul of Business podcast. Um, I've got a fascinating guest uh, to join us today, and it's actually, full disclosure, somebody I've known for a number of years. Um, And I'll give you a little bit more back uh, backstory on that in just a minute. Uh, But just to set the stage here, um, as I do typically on every, uh, every episode here, my perspective on business is that business is the most pervasive force on the planet. It touches literally everything you know, that we encounter. There, there's nothing that escapes the touch of business. In that context, I think that business has a very instrumental uh, role in assessing and impacting the quality of life on this planet, not just for humans, but for all life on the planet. Um, and that's a, an interesting way of kind of you know, positioning some things because when you start looking at it from that perspective, what comes into relief is an understanding that everything is connected. You know, there is nothing that is disconnected from anything else on this planet. Even uh, you know, though we may be remotely removed geographically, yet there is still connection. And this is where the night, the, uh, the idea of the soul of business comes into play, the soul of anything has to do with a fundamental connection to life. So what we're doing on this podcast is exploring that notion from a number of different perspectives. And the guests that we are very privileged to have joining us are business leaders, um, they are thought leaders, they are writers, they are folks that are doing some fascinating things in the world around what connection is, how connection can actually be expressed, and what do we do with it? You know, that sort of a thing. So that's the backstory here. And the guest that I have for us today is a fellow by the name of Michael Carroll. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, Michael and I have known each other for a number of years now. And we actually both serve, uh, you know, if I can use the word serve, uh, in a capacity in an organization called the Global Coaching Alliance. Um, I'm a managing director in that firm, and Michael is the COO of that firm. And both of us have known the founder of that firm. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. oh goodness gracious, 20, 20 some odd years. Yeah, for me, and I know it's a little bit longer than that for Michael. Um, Michael's biography mm-hmm. here is really kind of interesting. Um, he's a spiritual teacher in one way. Now, I don't know whether he would take that. Uh, mantle on or not, but that's kind of how I see him. He is actually, uh, for me, kind of an exemplar of what's possible. Um, But he's got also a very interesting background in business. Uh, For over two decades, he worked on Wall Street and in the publishing industry. He held executive positions at Shearson Lehman Amex, uh, Payne Weber, Simon Schuster, and at the Walt Disney Company. Uh, He's the author of a number of books, uh, some pretty well-known, uh, and I don't mean that to denigrate some of the others that aren't well-known, but they're all extraordinary books. Um, Awake at Work, The Mindful Leader, Fearless at Work, Mindful Leadership Training. Um, these books are amazing. And if you have an opportunity, and we'll talk about how you can access them here in just a moment, uh, I do encourage you to pick them up. Um, he's lectured on the topic of mindful leadership at Swarthmore College, 
American University, Yale, Queens College, the University of Sydney, Wharton School of Business, Harvard School of Business, Duke University, Virginia Tech, and I could go on and on and on here. There's a number of different universities that he's touched. We actually had the, uh, uh, for me, the good fortune to uh, work together last year at uh, a mindfulness conference at uh, the 1440 Multiversity in the Bay mm -hmm. Area. Um, yeah, he works with leaders all over the world, specifically right now in the domain and in the field of mindfulness. So uh, he's a, um, uh, how do I talk? He's an authorized teacher of the Kagyunyanya, get me on this one, Nyingma, is that right? Kagyunyanya, lineage of Tibetan Buddhist, uh, Buddhism. He is a Tibetan Buddhist. Uh, and uh, that, <laughs> I think, is one thing that I absolutely love about him. Uh, you can kind of look over my shoulder here and see that uh, there's a replica of uh, a Buddha. Uh, that's kind of hanging out. Um, <laughs> and in his background, he's got some very interesting things as well. So all of that, just as a preamble here, um, you're going to enjoy this conversation. Michael brings a lot to the table, and uh, it's not just in his pedigree. It's not just in his CV. It's in who he is. Um, there is a spirit about Michael that, for me, exemplifies what I think business can be. He's a business leader as well as a spiritual leader. So Michael Carroll, welcome to the show. That was really kind. That's an amazing introduction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll call it a wrap and just go home. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, you, you heard me talk a little bit about you know, kind of the uh, context of, of this uh, podcast. Business being, you know, the most pervasive, most influential uh, force, literally, on the planet. Um, and the idea that everything is connected. And I'd just like to, you know, open a very general framework for an exploration around those two notions uh, mm -hmm. and how they actually might come together. So yeah. I'll, I'll just kind of, you know, stop my yammering and ask you to just comment on what you think uh, is uh, relatively important around either one of those yeah. two tenets or both of them. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, threads in that, right? I mean, that's a beautiful fabric, the notion that we're all connected, obviously. And the fact that business with big quotation marks is uh, such a profoundly you know, wide, influential set of dynamics in enterprises and training that, that really shapes, shapes modern society. I think those are very large topics and there's many threads. I would accent this one that came to mind which is kind of core to the the work that I do is how do we how do we as individuals show up at work and uh, <clears throat> you know to a large degree a lot of us you know I can speak for myself you know but I think it's true for a lot of us we show up you know looking for work to provide uh, a set of things that it can't provide. You know, for example, security. Right. You know, we go to work looking for security, and it, and it, it 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 eludes us, and it frustrates us because we feel insecure because we're looking for security. Or we may go to work looking for an identity. You know, I'm CEO Joe Dokes, or I'm Doctor Smith, 
or whatever. Now, don't get me wrong, credentials are, are not, by definition, bad things. I mean, if, if you're a physician and you're an MD, that credential is very helpful because we know you went and got trained, for God's sakes. Uh, but c- coming to work looking for an identity, once again, is very frustrating because work cannot offer an identity. But, you know, I could go on here about our misunderstandings of, of, of what our work, whether you're a truck driver or, or a nurse or a teacher or an artist or a CEO, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, we all come to work looking for something. And what I, what I suggest in my work is when we really boil it down, what work offers is an opportunity to contribute to our world. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. Yeah. You know, we can contribute. And uh, I think that takes courage, but it's also a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We all want to contribute. We all, what I say, we all want to bounce our ball. We all want to contribute. You know, you know that you take that from the individual, and you know, I want to feel as if what I'm doing matters. So I come yeah. work and you know, am I contributing to something that is significant and meaningful? Um, mm-hmm. The idea, yeah, so yeah, that begins to define what's the purpose of business uh, in, a, yeah. in a different way. The purpose of business, from my perspective, is not to make a profit. Now, profit's necessary in order for the business to stay viable. Yeah. But if the purpose of business is seen as enhancing and in, in, uh, ennobling the quality of life on the planet, that gives a very different flavor to how I do what I do as a, as a business yep. owner and as a business enterprise itself. Um, yep. You know, I saw a statistic the other day, or a statistic, a little factoid, that the number one reason, and this is global, number one reason that is given for why people leave their work environment is because they feel disrespected. And I mean disrespected yep. in the sense that, yeah, they, they feel as if what they're doing isn't making a difference and it's not recognized as making a difference. So they feel denigrated. Mm-hmm. They feel left out. Yep. And if you yep. look at the Gallup data, again, I mean, for 20, 20 some odd years, this hasn't, the needle hasn't moved on this. 87% of the workforce is disengaged globally. Mm-hmm. And $42 billion a year is spent on leadership development with the intent of improving that engagement score, and it hasn't, it hasn't moved in 20-some-odd years. Yep. So yep. we're missing the boat in some ways, and I think partly what you're speaking to is the reason we're missing that boat and where the boat is getting missed. Yeah, I, and I, you know, I mean, even just to put a little finer point, not a finer point, but another finer point on that is, uh, what is it, something, one out of 20 American workers report that they have been demeaned within the past 24 hours in the workplace. Yeah. That speaks to a level of toxicity. Yep. That, that work way too often is an unhealthy place to go. I mean, it's, it's amazing because it's really where we want to express ourselves. So I look at this whole thing of disengagement, toxicity, uh, trying to find meaning and not finding it. Uh, feeling disenfranchised or uh, d- disengaged as fundamentally a spiritual issue. Right. It's not a psychological, it has psychological elements, it has emotional elements, it has commerce elements, it has human elements, but fundamentally it gets resolved at the spiritual level. 
Yep. You know, um, one of the reasons I wrote the book, Compassionate Capitalism, A Journey to the Soul of Business, was specifically to address the toxicity that uh, mm-hmm. you were just addressing that I've experienced for you know, 35 plus, 40 years in, in, in my business practice. But I'm also right now uh, writing a new book called uh, Business as a Spiritual Discipline. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. So um, that notion that you know, I can come to work and treat my, my employment as a spiritual practice. I can That's actually right. have the business itself be a place of spiritual development. Yep. That's an interesting notion. And it started to create some interesting questions for me. Um, number one being um, just how accounting is done. We look at employees as a cost to the business. We've got a cost. And then when there's uh, a downturn in the economy or whatnot, we start looking at how can we cut costs. If I'm looking at this from a spiritual perspective, my people are not a fixed cost. My people become a fixed investment. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to reduce a fixed investment nearly as quickly as I'm going to reduce a fixed cost. Yeah. Which, well, I hear, you know, I hear you on that. And I, 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 I would, I would tend to agree that having laid off thousands of people in my life, yeah. I'm sure you laid off. Your, your I've laid them off too. Yeah. That's uh. that, you know, uh, how we create an environment uh, that sees the, the human contribution as something that's more elevated than a cost, <laughs> I yeah. think, is an important and vital leadership perspective. So I, I tend to agree uh, strongly with what you're saying. However, what where, where I'm nuancing this, however, is that... Um, you know, I don't. I, I don't believe uh, over monumentalizing the value of human contribution is necessary in order to sort of uh, bring the spiritual uh, elements of work alive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the nature of the beast that your job is impermanent. It doesn't. It's not real. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> your job does not exist. Uh, it's, it's an idea. It's a fluid relationship with with the world, and you know, all too often, and I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm as much a, a spiritual person as I am, you know, a tough business guy. I mean, it's business is business, you know, and if there's no job there for the person, then there's no job. I mean, you know, you can't make a job. So I, I do believe, though, that addressing uh, one's contribution as a fluid, dynamic, uh, uh, kind of brisk relationship with your life so that you are agile and, mm-hmm. and, and, and capable of, of working with not only the good news, I just closed a great deal or I got promoted or I got a great bonus, but also the bad news. Well, they don't need my services anymore or mm-hmm. the company went out of business or whatever. I think um, being confident in both those circumstances, that's the spiritual challenge. That is. And uh, you've used the word relationship a number of times here. And you and I both you know, work in the consulting you know, sector as well as executive coaching and whatnot. And you know, all of those engagements have a life cycle to them that 
yeah, yeah, is not in in perpetuity. So to the point of it's a spiritual discipline, do I have the wherewithal internally to be able to, yeah, to have resilience in the face of a loss of a client? Uh, because exactly. the client's going to go away. Uh, it's going to change at some point in time. So I know for me, my career has been a spiritual exercise in, in discovering more and more of myself as I've done my work because right. it's always changing all the time. Um, as a matter of fact, when I started looking at this notion of a you know, business being a spiritual discipline, you know, you look, you know, look at it through the Trinity perspective, you know, mm -hmm. um, relation, you know, if I look at the father, the son, the Holy ghost, uh, there's the ideation, there's the spirit that, uh, kind of, gave birth to the business, the mission, you know, if you will, then it takes form, the, the, the sun, it takes form. It's got a physical aspect to it. But then this Holy Spirit piece is the relationship between the form and the idea. So there's mm -hmm. this yeah, interesting troika, this interesting trinity. And what we tend not to pay attention to in business, I think, is that Holy Spirit dynamic, which right. is the relationship between the ideation, the idea of the organization, or the idea of my employment, and the form that it takes. And the yeah. relationship is always going to be changing. Yeah. You know, in, in uh, Buddhist thinking, the, the, the model is uh, very similar to the Trinity. Not similar, but at least there's some parallel. Parallels. Is uh, heaven, earth, and man. Yep. Right? So heaven being, there's a vision. You know, I want to be the best uh, uh, father in in the world. Uh, that's why that's why I want to be the best dad. The vision, uh, but then the, out of that vision, you actually have a kid, and you have to, and it it poops its pants. It's got to go to college. It does stuff. It won't obey you. It's a whole thing. Uh, but how do you join those two? Right, which is the, the the spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit, or what we call uh, the human element, joining the vision with the practicalities. And in the case of a simple example of, of having a child is, uh, you know, you know, you have a beautiful child, but you got to wipe its butt. I mean, that's like the most ultimate inconvenience, right? I mean, <laughs> really at it from a human point of view. Oh, the picture that comes to mind here. But, but as a parent, and I'm, you know, all of us, you know, many of your audience, all of your audience, a lot of people in your audience are parents. Well, what do you do? You sing when you change the, the child's diaper. You sing, so it's a beautiful thing. So this idea of joining the father with the son, you know, the vision of, of, of vast spiritual realization with the compassion of Christ, uh, that, that has to do with, in my opinion, a sense of, of joy, you know, a sense of human uh, inspiration. Well, you know, and that kind of goes full circle back to some of your opening comments about rather than looking to my employment as an example here to fill something that I don't bring to it, I look you know, to have it brought to me. Mm -hmm. this, this idea of I start exploring it from the perspective, and this is I'm, where I'm going with this thread, is your work in mindfulness. Uh, mm -hmm. Because you are, you know, in my estimation, one of the most um, – uh, influential, as well as I think one of the most well-known mindfulness teachers uh, doing work in this domain today. So, uh, and I take my hat off and I celebrate <laughs> so that with you. Uh, but I'd be interested to know how you would see the mindfulness practice or the mindfulness conversation 
playing itself out in the context of what we've been talking about here right now? Well, I, you know, there's a lot of dynamics there. Um, clearly, you know, what I've been working on is, you know, if you sit still for extended periods of time and, and train your mind in this approach, which many, excuse me, many in your audience, are, I'm sure, are aware of, where you stabilize your attention and actually become more familiar with the immediate moment rather than the rehearsal inside your head, you begin to notice that you can engage your life, your world, and ultimately your workplace from a far more skillful uh, perspective. You know, I mean, a simple one, I'm just off the top of my head, a simple one is uh, debiasing your point of view. You know, I mean, you know, I'm an HR guy and 99% of the problems I deal with is, help, is helping people stop uh, relating with imaginary people and imaginary circumstances and sort of engage the situation for what it is. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the practice of mindfulness deconstructs that self-deception fairly quickly, you know, so that you're not relating with your version of reality, but reality itself. That's extremely helpful, as I'm sure any business person knows, you know, dealing with reality rather than your version of it. So there, there's, there's really literally... I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of uh, elements to how mindfulness when being applied in, in organizational settings uh, can, can uh, you know, provoke sanity, health, well-being, clarity, authenticity. Um, you, know, that's, you know, that's what I write about. And that's what I work about. But the, 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 the topic that I'm most interested in, is, since we're riffing here a little bit, uh, is this notion of, of, of artificial intelligence versus authentic intelligence. Mm, that's a great distinction. Let's, and, let's, let's unbundle that a little. Yeah, you know, there, there, there's a, a study that's been now, I think, widely quoted. And, you know, I'm sure your, your audience may know about this. If not, it's easy to go online and get it. It's an Oxford study. It's probably four or five years old now. Maybe not that much, but it's, it's, you know, it's a few years old. But essentially, the report uh, essentially says that, uh, I, I forget, God, what is the number? I think it's something like 60% of the jobs in America are going to be gone in the next 15 years. 60 yeah. or something. Yeah, I'm, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, what did, 60%? Yeah. Right. And they go through and they use certain mathematical formulas to, to determine what are the likely what are the likely jobs that are going away, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, you know, it's all interesting stuff in terms of what businesses you're in. If you're in a, a, accounting or tax accounting, the likelihood is your job's going to go away, okay? Because artificial intelligence will take care of it. You just program it, boom, does it for you. But anyway, the, the interesting thing here is – what they speculate in the report, only briefly, is, well, what will human beings be paid for if they're not paid for these 60 jobs are going away? And um, they make some observations, but the, the one that I want to bring our attention to here and then make a further observation on is that human beings will uh, most likely in the future be paid for their social intelligence and creative skills. Uh -huh. building trust, 
building relationship, uh, uh, building an environment in which people feel that they can make decisions, uh, creative interchange, playfulness to bring about new and innovative ideas, rather than the technical skills, the science and technical engineering and math skills, which is ironic, right? But AI is, 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 is taking that over and will increasingly do that for us. But here's where authentic intelligence comes in. Excuse me, I have to close my door here. One second, I'll be right Okay. Back. He'll take a little pause as he closes his door. And Sorry. Uh, Thank you, guys. I apologize. <laughs> uh, but here's, here's, where, here's where I think the mindfulness comes in that, that's extremely important. What, what we're finding is that... Um, Artificial intelligence, when not understood well, that's offering all of these services, uh, when not understood, becomes an anesthetic. Mm -hmm. And it numbs uh, us to our own humanity. And there's, there's, you know, there's simple observations. You watch young people now with their phones, right? Their, their social engagement with their friends is, is, is a digital relationship. You know, as a matter of fact, just to pick up on that, I saw something on the Newswire yesterday on one of my news feeds that dating for particularly Gen, you know, Gen X, yeah, mm -hmm. early 20s, um, they're, they're dating with people that they've never met. Yep. Wait, wait, it's kind of like, wait, how, how, do, how do you date with somebody you've never met? Yep. And they're carrying on long-term quote-unquote relationships with people they've never physically had an interaction with and yep. they're calling it dating. Yep. In Japan, they actually have an emerging culture where the actual sexual fulfillment of that relationship is done through devices. Yep. So the... <laughs> you see where this is going, right? Yeah. And we... We can go on and on with the numbing element of this, and apparently, not apparently, I think the, the prototypes are there, is, you know, very soon, the, our internal world will not be distinguishable, or at least will be blending with our external phenomenological experience, so that mm -hmm. when you go to a store or a mall or a social setting, you're going to be actually uh, digitally engaged and enhanced so that you can't really distinguish between your internal and external experience. And all of this is basically a numbing of our humanity. Yeah. Whether it's relationship, whether it's social engagement, rather it's rather, whether it's, you know, just simply engaging, you know, a pen, you know what I mean? The pen yeah. is going to be talking to you and the whole thing. Well, now, Hold on, let me just make this yeah, last yeah, point. I please. apologize. Yeah. It, 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 the, the, the point here is that on the, fundamentally, there's no problem with all of this artificiality. There's no problem with it at all, unless you don't know it's artificial. That was the point I was going to make. Understand it as real. And that's where the mindfulness comes in. Is that mindfulness awareness meditation is all about becoming fully present as a physical body, alive as a human being, fully engaged with the immediacy of your world. 
when, when one actually has a, a, a groundedness in this authenticity, what I call authentic intelligence, then the artificial intelligence no longer is an anesthesia. They become lenses through which we can view our world and that we can help one another more or be more skillful. Or a lot of this artificial intelligence is being used, for example, in the prevention of the slaughter of, uh, of uh, uh, species that are at risk. Yes. Right. So there's ways to use this intelligence as long as we don't get numbed by it. That, the only way we can do that is to train our minds not to be not to take it as anesthesia. Exactly, and that numbing is um, the the problem with change, as far as I can tell, is is seldom with the change itself. It's the disruption to the relationships that change causes, mm -hmm. and one of the major disruptions to the point that you're making here is our connection with objective reality, such that right. it is. Uh, we don't train ourselves, we don't train our people, we don't train our kids, we don't train our employees to the point that you're making here about the you know, engaging with the immediacy of, of uh, my environment or my world. You know, yep. Where am I? Am I you know, and that's the whole idea of spirit, the soul of business is connection. It, you know, do we yep. foster connection? Um, yeah, when I was doing work with Nokia years ago, I... I um, ran their global leadership initiatives uh, for about 12 years, uh, a good chunk of that. And there was an internal joke because the tagline of Nokia was uh, connecting people. But the internal joke was, was disconnecting families because the work pace was so, uh, so intense that you know, people were gone and families were disconnecting. We're connecting yeah. people, but we're disconnecting families. This is what I think we're doing you know, to the point that you're making here about you know, authentic intelligence versus artificial intelligence. What are yeah. we actually disconnecting from in our pursuit of technology? And yeah. I think disconnecting from spirit if we're not paying attention to it. Yeah, and, and I think you're spot on. The, the, the issue here, and this is where the subtlety comes in of the anesthesia, is the anesthesia gives you the impression that you're actually connecting more. Yeah. When in fact, you're connecting with your version of reality. And we all know what the algorithms are doing. The algorithms that are being developed are very sophisticated to give you the impression that you're in an authentic conversation with, your, with an advertisement or a show or, a, or an email thread or a social media event. When in fact, what we have found, and we're, this is why you know a lot of this... Uh, a lot of these uh, studies in uh, the Senate and the government are going through is we're engaged with a lie mm -hmm. more often than not. And it's being manipulated in very subtle ways, but it gives us the impression that we're having a full experience, whether it's, you know, these sexual uh, uh, relationship, not sexual, but, you know, these relationships over the, the internet and this, these emerging dynamics that, give the mind and the brain the impression that they're, that we're having a full experience. But when, when it, when it gets down to the heart of it, there's something empty and misplaced. Uh, lonely loneliness is, is up at, mm -hmm. at an alarming rate. Uh, so this is an area of interest of mine. And, yeah. and I do believe that in many respects, business in its 
forward-looking intent to maximize mastery over these emerging dynamics is blinded by the impact that's having in the present moment as it chases after these algorithms, as it chases after these artificial intelligence. And uh, that's why I think mindfulness meditation is not, catch, is not only catching on more, but it's, it's actually becoming indispensable. I think, yeah, and that's the word I would use for it, indispensable. Uh, in order to maintain our sense of humanity, <clears throat> let alone our sense of connection, but our sense yep. of humanity. Um, yep. we, yeah, we are not taught this uh, as a byproduct of our education system generally. Uh, right. so, you know, paying attention to this, I think, is an absolutely crucial element of the future. How do we maintain connection? Not artificial yep. connection, but authentic connection. Yep. Yep. And that's, the, you know, for me, the soul of business is about that. Authentically connected with the, uh, with the consequences of my work product, the consequences of my focus on algorithm, my consequence of how do I stay yep. connected with that so that I can yep. make generative choices, mm-hmm. not choices that are only in service of the bottom line, but generative choices about the health and well-being of life. Yeah, right. And, and the, the thing that you're, you're having the generative impact on is happening right now. Right now. It is not a postponable event. Exactly. Uh, you know, uh, so, yeah. I mean, I'm glad we're in the boat together. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. And on that note, I think I'll bring this to a close. Uh, you know, we're approaching our half hour uh, mark on this program. So my guest today has been Michael Carroll. And uh, Michael, where can folks uh, find out more about you and your work? Well, you know, the, the easiest is to just go to my website, awakeatwork.net. And uh, you can just press, if you want to talk to me, you just press contact the author and that's me. It just comes right to me. So I'm ready to chat. If you don't want to contact me, just read. It's fun. <laughs> Awakenwork.net. Okay. Yes. And again, I'm going to, he, he's got a number of books that I think you would be well served to uh, pick up and explore, particularly given the last half of our conversation here, authentic intelligence, as opposed to artificial intelligence, Awake at Work, The Mindful Leader, uh, Fearless at Work, and his latest book is Mindful Leadership Training. Um, My good friend, Michael Carroll, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. This has been Blaine Bartlett. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for saying yes. I look forward to getting you back uh, on another conversation here. I'd love that. Perfect. Okay. And this is Blaine Bartlett, and I want to thank you for listening to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.